right. Thank you, Brother Chuck. I appreciate that. Beautifully done. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And again, thank you for being faithful to the Lord's house on this Mother's Day 2019. And let's let me reiterate one more time how pleased and how honored we are to have all of the mothers here this morning. And, uh, and so uh, if your mom is here, obviously you want to treat her right today. Don't make her cook Sunday dinner, okay? She does that every week. And uh, <clears throat> uh, make sure you take good care of her and be nice to her. And, and uh, you ought to be nice to her all the time, amen? But especially on Mother's Day. And so Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, and, and uh, I, was, uh, I wasn't at the ladies' tea yesterday. Traditionally, I don't go to those things, uh, but uh, I got there as it ended to try to help uh, with the cleanup effort a little bit, and uh, ladies act like they had a really good time, and so praise the Lord for that, and uh, appreciate all the organization that went into that and all the behind-the-scenes stuff, and and uh, I've heard many, many good reports about it. And so praise the Lord for that. Stand with me, please, for reading God's Word, Second Timothy chapter number 1. Second Timothy chapter number 1. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Notice verse 5 is our text verse this morning. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, on this Mother's Day, a mother's faith. A mother's faith. And let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments. Thank you for the truth of the Word of God. Thank you for the many wonderful examples of of uh, godly women who populate the scriptures. Uh, thank you for the examples that they serve to our, uh, our ladies and our, our girls uh, as to what, uh, a, uh, what, what a Christian lady ought to be. Thank you for the ladies in our church. Uh, thank you for my wife, who's uh, such a wonderful mother to our children. Thank you for my own mother, who, uh, who was, uh, cared for me when I couldn't care for myself, and to this day prays uh, for me and for her children and grandchildren and father i pray that you bless all the ladies of our church and father if our country is to have revival it's going to have to have revival among uh everyone including uh the ladies there's so much that is determined so much is is obvious about a culture by the character of the women in that culture and father i'm afraid our country is in trouble today and, uh, and that's evidenced by the lack of character and the lack of discipline and, the, and, and so many things that, that are troubling as we uh, talk about this very important subject. I pray that the ladies of our church and our homes will be women of faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. When I think about Mother's Day, I think about <clears throat> truly unsung heroes in our society 
I mentioned in the bulletin this morning that there is no greater title than that of a godly wife and mother. No, no, nothing, nothing greater than that, nothing bigger than that. I think about mothers and I think about this. There are a few assignments in human experience that require the array of skills and wisdom needed by a mom in fulfilling her everyday duties. She must be a resident psychologist. She must be a physician, a theologian, an educator, a nurse, a chef, a taxi driver, a fire marshal, and occasionally a police officer. That pretty much describes the role of mother. And if she succeeds in each of these responsibilities, she gets to get up tomorrow and do it all over again. That's the life of mother. George Washington said, My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. He said, All I am I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. That was George Washington. Someone said, I shall never forget my mother, for it was she who planted and nurtured the first seeds of good within me. She opened my heart to the lasting impressions of nature. She awakened my understanding and extended my horizon, and her precepts exerted an everlasting influence upon the course of my life. It was Thomas Edison who said, my mother was the making of me. She was so true and so true of me. I felt that I had someone to live for, someone I must not disappoint. The memory of my mother will always be a blessing to me, said Thomas Alva Edison. This morning, lots of you will spend the day with your mother, and others of us will call our mother at some point during the day as we're separated by many miles. And then many will reflect on the life and legacy of your mother, who may now be in eternity. But whether what, which, whichever of those applies to you, we ought to honor our mom today. With this in mind, many of you men will honor the mothers of your children. You were there in many cases when your wife went through the pangs of, of, of labor and the jaws of death to give life to your children. And there ought to be a sense of appreciation. There ought to be a sense of gratitude. There ought to be a sense of honor uh, toward our wives and so forth. And so it was Winston Churchill who said, my most brilliant achievement was my ability to be able to persuade my wife to marry me. And how many men could say amen right there? <clears throat> For all of us fellows, I think uh, uh, all of us could say we married up, amen? And, uh, and by the way, that was a good place to say amen. If, if you missed it, I'm sorry, you just missed it, okay? Not much you can do about it at this point. This week I sat down and listed some of the great women that are spoken of in the Bible. And there's a lot of obvious ones. I think about Moses' mother, a woman by the name of <clears throat> Jochebed. It was her, it was she who, when Moses was born at a time in Egypt, when Pharaoh was putting Hebrew baby boys to death, it was Jochebed, Moses' mother, who the Bible says saw that he was a goodly child and she took great measures to make sure that he was okay and that he, was, he would survive the onslaught of Pharaoh's wrath. <clears throat> it was she who 
went and diligently came up with some kind of a plan just to see that her baby would survive, and she hid him as long as she could in her house there. And when it, when, when it was impossible to hide him any longer, she prepared that little, that little ark just big enough for him to fit into, and she made sure that it was waterproofed and all of that. And she placed the body the, uh, of her little baby boy, Moses, and she put him into that little ark and she sent it down the Nile River and she sent her daughter Miriam, the older daughter, to say, look, now you make sure nothing happens and you uh, do what you can to take care of him. And, and of course, that was the mother, the true mother of Moses. I think about Sarah, Abraham's wife. What a great lady was Sarah. Can you imagine, ladies, your husband coming home one day and saying, hey, pack up everything, we're moving. What's your first question? Where are we going? I'm sure that was Sarah's first question. Abram goes to Sarah and says, hey, pack up everything, we're moving. And she says, where are we moving to? He said, I don't know. <laughs> Ladies, it would be at that point where you say, my husband has lost it. He's, he's gone. But that's what happened. God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to move, and I'll, <coughs> I'll tell you where you're moving. Uh, but uh, right now, <coughs> just get your things together. And, and, uh, and that, that was Sarah. She... She was uh, that picture of submission to Abraham. I think about Eve. The Bible calls uh, Eve the mother of all living. I think about Hannah, who prayed for a son and then prayed for her son. It was Hannah who said, for this child I prayed. It was Hannah who, uh, uh, who, who mourned and wept and cried and poured out her heart to God and said, God, I'll do anything if you give me a son. God, I'll give him back to you if you'll just give me a man-child. And God heard Hannah's prayer, and he gave her little Samuel, and, and Hannah made good on her promise to God and brought him back to Eli, <coughs> the priest. And, uh, and, and Samuel grew up there as a servant of God. It was Hannah who had that burden. I think about Rahab. Sometimes we call her Rahab the harlot. But Rahab the harlot, if I may remind all of us, was listed in God's hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It was Rahab who, who uh, acted with fear and acted with faith in God and, and hid the spies for God's people as they prepared to invade the land of Canaan. I think about Vashti. In the book of Esther, the woman of character who would not compromise. I think about Esther, the main character of that same book, who bravely saved the Jewish people from extinction at the pleading of her cousin Mordecai. Of course, there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, and of course, you, you think about the cat. Now, we do not worship Mary as deity because Mary was a human being, just like you and I. But Mary had a character that is to be admired by ladies all, all throughout Christendom today. Why? Because it was Mary that God chose to, uh, the, to be the vehicle, the vessel, in, uh, through which his son would be born into this world and to take on human flesh. Of course, there was Lydia, who was one of many women that Paul listed in the epistles, who was a great help to the furtherance of the gospel. By the way, Lydia, the first convert in Europe. Uh, according to the scriptures, there was Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, who was, the Bible says, was filled with the Holy Ghost. And we could go on and on and on and talk about great women of the Bible, tremendous ladies who impacted <coughs> their own world in a unique way in the scriptures. But then there are some women in the Bible who are not as well known, but were just as mighty in their influence for the cause of Christ. And such is the case with the two women that are mentioned in the text this morning. 
uh, and one of the last letters written by the Apostle Paul to a young man named Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor uh, who pastored one of the churches that Paul, no doubt, helped to establish there in Asia Minor. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5, he said, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. That's interesting to me. These two women passed on to their son and grandson, something that was of great value. They gave to Timothy something that was incredibly honorable. Now, as far as I know, this is the only verse in the entire Bible where you read the names of Lois and Eunice. But the Bible tells us something and gives us some, some insight into Timothy by way of his mom and his grandmother. And I want to share that with you this morning because it talks about the faith of Timothy. And it said that the faith of Timothy was passed on, was uh, uh, the unfeigned faith is the Bible term, unfeigned faith of Lois and Eunice, Timothy's mother and grandmother. The text mentions their faith that was passed on to their son and grandson. Timothy's father was not a Christian as far as we know, but Timothy himself was a convert of the Apostle Paul, and he was influenced by the faith that was evident in the lives of his mother and his grandmother. Oh, they may not have given Timothy a lot of wealth. They may not have given Timothy a lot of material possessions. But let me tell you something. Eunice and, and Lois, Timothy's mother and grandmother, they gave Timothy something far more valuable, and that was a faith, a, a heritage of faith. A heritage of faith. Of all the things that Paul could have complimented about Timothy's mother and grandmother, he commended their faith. And this morning, we could, we could certainly talk about a mother's love. Of course, one of the first things that comes to all of our minds, one of the first attributes that come to any of us when we think about our own mother, or as, we, as fellows, we think about our wife, we think about a mother's love. A mother's love that's unconditional. A mother's love that is, uh, that is surpassing of, uh, of just about anything on this side of eternity. Really, you start talking about a mother's love, and, uh, and it really pales only in comparison to that of the Heavenly Father, if you think about it. It's an amazing thing. I was watching a, uh, a news broadcast several years ago, and there was a, uh, a, a convicted murderer who was on death row in a distant state. And the day came when uh, he was to be put to death uh, and uh, facing execution. And a, uh, a news journalist interviewed the mother of this convicted murderer, this first-degree murderer. He was to be put to death. And, and uh, there was no argument about his guilt and, uh, and all of that. But on the day he was to be put to death, his mother, interviewed by a news reporter, said, You know what? He's really a good boy. You know what that is? A mother's love. A mother's love. It's unconditional. It's unfathomable. And this morning we could talk about the depth and breadth of a mother's love, but the subject this morning is not about a mother's, uh, mother's love. I want to challenge you this morning on the subject of a mother's faith. A mother's faith. Certainly it made a difference in the life of a young man named Timothy and uh, impacted his life. And by the way, not just impacted Timothy, but something we need to be reminded of was Timothy's influence. You see, the hand that rocks the cradle does indeed rule the world. 
And <clears throat> ladies, you may not understand the, uh, uh, the, the, the depth of your influence. And, you, and we live in a society where, where uh, uh, being a wife and a mother is, uh, is not put on the, uh, the, the pedestal that, that it rightfully deserves. But let me tell you something. You have wonderful, tremendous influence in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. Don't ever take that for granted. Don't ever underestimate that. Because, Timothy, though you may only read the names of Lois and Eunice one time in the Scripture, uh, Timothy uh, went on to, to do wonderful things for God and, and, uh, and, and shook that city where he pastored uh, <coughs> with a great revival. I'm simply saying, Mother, Grandma, don't, don't, don't underestimate your influence. I want to talk to you about a mother's faith. A mother's faith, number one, I want you to see this. It was a sincere faith. It was a sincere faith. Notice how the Holy Spirit describes the faith of these ladies in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5. Let's read that verse again, if you will. Uh, when I call to remembrance, notice what it says, the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. Now, unfeigned faith. What does the word unfeigned mean? Well, it means simply this. It means sincere, and it means without hypocrisy. Sincere faith, uh, faith that is without hypocrisy. The kind of faith that we need in mothers today is what the Bible calls unfeigned faith. Sincere and without hypocrisy. The real deal kind of faith. Sincere faith that is not pretentious. It doesn't presume one thing at home and another thing at church. I'm simply saying this morning, our nation is dying for a religion, if you will, that is real. A religion that's real. Not fake, fraud, and fraudulent. Not plastic. Not, not uh, superficial. No, what we need in our country, and I think all of us would agree that our country, uh, from a moral standpoint and a cultural standpoint, we're in a heap of trouble. We're in a heap of trouble. And the Bible tells us that judgment of any culture, of any society, must begin at the house of God. And the house of God is made up of your house and my house, your home and my home. And so what we need today in our country, what we need in Christianity, what we need in our churches is a revival of religion that's real. Religion that's real. Not hypocrisy, not insincere. And Paul, as he's writing to young Timothy, he said, he said, I know your grandmother and I know your mother, and they are, they are synonymous with an unfeigned faith, a real faith, a non-hypocritical faith. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, convinced that it's in you as well. Our nation's dying for religion that's real. We have showcased Christianity versus sincere Christianity. We have showcased Christianity that, uh, that is one thing at the church house and another thing at our house. We have showcased Christianity that, uh, that, that boasts itself of performance but lacks any prayer. <clears throat> oh, God, give us some praying mothers again. God, give us some praying mothers. God, give us some women of faith <coughs> who will get on their knees and get in their prayer closets on a regular basis and go to the throne of grace and intercede on behalf of their children, intercede on behalf of their spouse, intercede on behalf of their grandchildren. Hey, that's what America needs today is some good old-fashioned praying mamas. Praying mamas. Unfeigned faith. The word hypocrite in your Bible I looked it up on several occasions. It, 
It's all the same word. It's an actor under an assumed character. That's what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is someone who is an actor under an assumed character. In other words, two faces. Back in the Middle Ages, there were traveling, uh, traveling shows that would go from town to town, and there would be a limited number of people who made up the actors in the play, but sometimes those, those people would have to fulfill more than one role during a play. And so they would have these masks that they would put in front of their face uh, during one part of the play, and then, uh, and then perhaps an, uh, at a different part of the play, that same, that same person would have to take another mask and be a different character and say different lines uh, in the same play. And so the word hypocrite comes meaning two faces. And sometimes I think we're guilty, not just moms, but dads and teenagers. All of us many times are guilty of being a little bit hypocritical because we're one thing in one place and one thing in another place. We're, we're wearing a mask. Well, we need something that's real. We need some real deal Christianity in America today. And you know where it begins? It begins in our homes. And, 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 and to, uh, this morning, I, I look at this passage and I see where this, this grandmother, Lois, and this mother of Timothy, a lady by the name of Eunice, they passed on to their son and to their grandson an unfaith, a non-hypocritical, a real deal kind of Christian faith. God give us that. God give us that. Not something fraudulent that assumes something uh, when it's time to go to church, but it's missing something on Monday. Hey, uh, a sincere faith is built on private devotions to God. A sincere faith is built on private time with the Lord. You know, <clears throat> when I look at a, a, a strong, big, mighty oak tree that's been standing for hundreds of years in many cases... I love to watch, and, and, uh, and, and the strength of that tree is not something that you can see. The strength of that tree, that tree that withstands all the, the storms of all the different seasons, the, the, the tree that withstands the, the howling winds of severe thunderstorms, the tree that, that survives the brutal Michigan winters, the tree that survives through all of the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the changes in weather and changes in climate from, uh, from season to season. And you look at that tree and you marvel. We marvel say, wow, what a strong tree. It's been there for hundreds of years. But may I say, the strength of that tree is not found in anything that you can see above the ground. The strength of that tree is in the root system. The strength of that tree is in that mighty root system that has, that has weaved its way through the soil and, uh, and sunk deep roots into the, to the ground to give that tree a firm foundation. And what we need in our homes and what we need in our church and what we need in our country are people, men of God and women of God, who have an unfeigned faith that is only made in private time with God that no one else can see. Private time with God that no one else can see. I ask you a question this morning. <clears throat> when was the last time you spent some time with the Lord alone? That's where you get strength. That's where you, that's where you get the strength to face the storms of life. That's where you get the, 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 the strength to withstand all of the onslaught of the world and the flesh and Satan himself as he tries to destroy our homes. I'm simply saying sincere faith is built in private devotions to God. Sincere faith is expressed in public service for God. Sincere faith demonstrates and, and, uh, and shows itself not just in the prayer closet. That's where it starts. That's, where, that's, that's the foundation of it. But God give us some faith that is lived out in front of our children, 
in front of our peers, in front of those that we, uh, that we come into contact with throughout the day. So I want you to see, first of all, that this faith, this mother's faith from Lois and Eunice, Timothy's grand, uh, mother and grandmother, it was, first of all, a sincere faith. And then I want you to see this. It was a sanctifying faith. It was a sincere faith, and it was also a sanctifying faith. Though we do not know much about Eunice and Lois outside of this one verse, we know that their faith was found in their son, Timothy, and their grandson, Timothy, and we know what he did for the Lord. It was the kind of faith that set him apart to make a difference for the cause of Christ. It was evident in those that they influenced. You know, our faith is going to be evidence in those that God gives us influence with. You see, how real was the faith that was passed on to Timothy? It was real enough to convince him that he could overcome the deficiencies of his past. You know what? You know what our kids need? Our kids need for us to have a genuine faith in God and then a genuine belief in our kids. That's what they need. I'm not talking about some, uh, <clears throat> some um, wishful thinking. I'm not talking about some power, positive thinking kind of, kind of uh, psychology today at all. I'm simply saying <clears throat> what our children need is, first of all, a mom and dad who know how to get a hold of God. A mom and dad who know how to get a hold of God on behalf of their children. And then to turn and look at those children and say, you know what? I believe in you. I believe you have what it takes to live for God. You know, Timothy, he came from a deficiency background. His dad wasn't saved. His dad was not a Christian. The only religious influence Timothy had outside the Apostle Paul was his mother and his grandmother. But you know what? Somehow those ladies convinced Timothy that his life, was, his life was meaningful for the Lord. Somehow they passed on that unfeigned faith. Yes, he had some disadvantages. Yes, his father was unsaved. But somewhere along the lines, someone convinced Timothy that God could use him in spite of what he lacked. And let me just stop and say this this morning. God can use you in spite of whatever lack that you perceive in yourself. I think about old Moses at the burning bush. Moses, he saw, him, he, he saw his own deficiencies more than he saw the power of God. God said, Moses, I want you to leave my people out of Egypt. I want you to go down to, to uh, Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. And Moses said, God, I can't do that. I got a speech impediment. Now, I'm not making fun of that. You read your Bible, that's what he said. He said, God, I can't talk. He said, God, I can't do that. And what did God say to Moses? He said, Moses, who made your mouth? <laughs> who made your mouth? Look, God doesn't need what you don't have. God can use you this morning. God has a plan for your life. This is not necessarily part of the main thrust of the message but let me just say to this i don't care who you are i don't care what your background is don't care how long or how how long you've been saved or how recently you've been saved or maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved let me tell you something the good god of heaven has a plan for your life he has a plan for your life and thank God for godly women. Thank God for mothers. Thank God for daddies who, who, have, who have faith in God, who, who pray and who, who give themselves for their children and who spend their time trying to convince their children. You know what? God loves you and God has a plan for you. You're somebody to God. 
You're somebody to God. It was a sanctifying faith. Timothy <clears throat> had someone who believed in him. Eunice and Lois, they believed in him enough to discipline him. They believed in him enough to expose him to the truth. Hey, <clears throat> they believed in Timothy enough to expose him to the man of God. They believed in Timothy enough to say, hey, there's, there, there's the Apostle Paul and, and, and we've trusted Christ and, and, uh, and what that man is preaching is the truth of the Word of God. And Timothy, uh, you, you, ought to, you ought to get in on that. They believed in him enough to point him to the man of God. They believed in him enough to expose him to the truth. They believed in him enough to discipline him and instill in him some character and some integrity. You know, I get the idea that Eunice and Lois were the kind of women that got on their face before God on behalf of Timothy. I also believe they were the kind of women who would get in Timothy's face on behalf of the Lord. <laughs> you know, sometimes, <clears throat> let me just say this, sometimes love needs to be tough. Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Now, I don't care how you, how you parse that verse. If God loves you, and he does, and you belong to him, if you're one of his own, if you're one of his children, guess what? The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. There's times growing up, <clears throat> my dad got after me. Why? Because he, he hated me? No, because he loved me. He wanted what's best for me. He wanted me to turn out right. He wanted me to be a man of integrity, a man of character. He wanted me to get something. And, 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 and uh, to this day, uh, I, I think about my upbringing. I thank God for what he did for me. Let me tell you something. We need some moms and dads who will be willing to get on their face to God on behalf of their kids. But we also need those same mamas and dads to get in their kids' face every now and then on behalf of what's right. On behalf of what's right. It was a sincere faith. It was a sanctifying faith. And then I want you to see finally this morning, it was a saving faith. It was a saving faith. Notice it again, 1 Timothy chapter 2, or chapter 1, <clears throat> and verse number 5, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Oh, it was sincere. It was unfeigned. It was sanctifying because we see what it produced in the life of Timothy. But first and foremost, it was a saving faith. It was a saving faith. You see, <clears throat> the most important eternal truth that I ever learned from my mama was Jesus loves me, this I know. The most beautiful song I ever heard sung as a child was Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but... He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. <clears throat> Moms and dads this morning, is everybody safe in your home? I'm not talking about their physical safety. I'm talking about their spiritual safety. Will the circle be unbroken in your home in heaven? Is every, hey, are all the children in? Is everybody saved? Is there, has there been a time in the lives of your children? Uh, you say, well, well, preacher, my kids are okay because after all, they're a part of our church. Let me tell you something. You're not saved because you're part of a church family. You're saved because you're part of God's family. You're born into God's family. Timothy was not saved on the coattails of his mom. He was not saved on the coattails of his grandmother. <clears throat> but what they had, what they possessed was a real salvation. But there had to come a day in Timothy's life when he had to 
trust Christ for himself. God has no grandchildren. You have to trust Christ for yourself. You have to come to know Jesus Christ on a personal level yourself. A saving faith. A saving faith. Can you honestly say this morning, I know I'm going to heaven? Can you honestly say that? I didn't ask you if you remember church. I didn't ask you if you did good works. I didn't ask you if you'd been baptized. I didn't ask you any of those questions. Simply, you need to face the question. Face it. Do I know that I know that I know I'm going to heaven? Look, death is certain for all of us. Death is certain for all of us. Human beings are the only species that are born with the innate awareness that one day this life comes to an end. But what happens then? What happens then? You're going to face God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment, the only thing that will matter at that particular moment in your life when you die and leave this world and go to the next is has there been a saving faith? Is there saving faith? Have you placed your faith in the only one who can save you, Jesus Christ? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's it. That's it. Has there been a saving faith? Is there a saving faith placed in Jesus Christ in your life? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. On this Mother's Day 2019, I ask you one simple question. Do you know that heaven is your home?